The other day, when I was visiting Mom, we started talking about estate planning. It's never an easy topic to discuss with a parent, but I'm glad Mom brought it up. She told me how much she appreciated what the Peace Arch Hospital did for Dad over the course of his final years. In fact, she got to know one of the nurses quite well, and they still stay in touch. We talked about giving back to the hospital. Did you know that only 5% of Canadians leave a gift in their wills to charity? That's not a lot, and there are a ton of benefits, so I'm surprised more people don't do it. I'm happy Mom is giving back, but I really hope it doesn't happen anytime soon. This is The Power to Heal. In this series of podcasts, we'll focus on the many innovative ways the Peace Arch Hospital has been an integral part of its community. We'll talk to those who were instrumental in creating new initiatives for the hospital to grow and evolve along with the town it serves. In this episode, we'll take a look at tax benefits and gifting. The Peace Arch Hospital Foundation's legacy giving officer, Shona Breslaw, and senior wealth advisor, Dave Lee, will provide insight into different ways to leave a gift in a will, estate planning, and the tax benefits available through charitable giving. Leading the conversation is a long-standing resident of White Rock, veteran television and radio broadcaster Wayne Cox. With a personal connection to the Peace Arch Hospital, Wayne is no stranger to the many positive attributes of the hospital and its foundation. Well, for over 40 years, Peace Arch Hospital has been of service to our family. My father-in-law had a nasty fall off a ladder. The ambulance was there quickly. He received medical care at the emergency ward at Peace Arch. And it's just great to know that top-notch medical care is so close by. There can be an awful lot of confusion surrounding tax implications when it comes to estate planning. And a lot of people don't know there are different ways to leave a gift to the hospital. Let's listen as Wayne opens the conversation with Senior Wealth Advisor Dave Lee. Why is it so important to talk to your financial advisor to make an estate plan? Well, thanks, Wayne. Um, it's important to have a number of conversations, actually. And we certainly also recommend that people have conversations with family, with their charities, et cetera. But the conversation with a advisor, a financial advisor, someone who knows your whole picture, ideally, they know your whole situation and they can help to ensure that your assets are going to be distributed in the manner that you desire. They can help to make sure that any of the unique aspects or characteristics of your financial picture is going to align with the rules that the CRA has out there and can help to minimize the probate, the tax, legal and accounting costs, uh, et cetera. But really the conversation with the advisor helps to broaden things beyond what people would normally consider just themselves. We tend to go through this process with a lot of people. And so over the course of time, we start to be able to get a sense of where the blind spots are for people with regards to their estate plans, et cetera, the things that they weren't necessarily thinking about, the need to care for a child who doesn't handle money well or may have a disability, the opportunity to make a charitable gift in a particular time frame based on something we're seeing in terms of the pattern of their finances and taxes and expenses, et cetera. And so the entire conversation with a advisor helps people to see things that they didn't otherwise have a chance to consider themselves and to 
enable them to pull together a bit more of a focused plan for gaining a greater impact for what they really are trying to achieve. Would the executor be part of this whole conversation or does that come later? That's definitely one of the people that needs to be involved in the process. And in fact, um, talking to the executor is really, really important because not everybody really wants to be that executor. You know, we, um, I joke in some of the seminars that I run that, you know, people tell me that when they were first named executor, they uh, were honored to be held in such high regard that they would be considered for that position. And then when they actually were the executor, they thought, well, what did I ever do to them to deserve this? <laughs> you mentioned that, Dave, because I've had two occasions to be an executor. And I swore after that second time, I don't want any part of it. The paperwork is astounding, but the obligation you have to that person is so important. It really is. And this is something that people often don't know first time around. And so it's often those who've been through it once that choose to um, not do so in, in the future. So from an estate planning point of view, the selection of an executor, both to make sure that that choice is not going to be problematic, which it can be in a number of ways, depending on where they live and what stage of life they're in and that sort of thing. But also just whether or not they actually want to do this, or they just sort of feel obliged to do so. Because one of the things that we often see is people will name somebody who's about the same age as them. And, and that works really well in their 40s. And as time goes on, and you continue to name that same person, as you get older, if you continue to name a sibling or a friend or a cousin who is approximately the same age as you, uh, eventually um, there's going to be a 50-50 chance that they beat you to needing uh, an executor. And so uh, there becomes a point in time where that's not necessarily the, the best choice. And so uh, using a corporate executor or uh, just having some other conversations about how to get that best taken care of is an important thing to consider for sure. What are some of the benefits and maybe even some of the barriers to charitable giving when you're talking about this estate planning? Wayne, I think one of the primary ones there is for those who do have uh, charitable intent, is just this idea that it's kind of this either or trade-off uh, in terms of whether they're going to give to charity or give to their children or other natural heirs. And you know, the uh, Canadian Association of Gift Planners or CAGP actually has an initiative. They call it willpower. And you're maybe going to see a lot of this in the, uh, the coming years as they ramp up to try to educate Canadians on this sort of one central idea that is your will can be extremely powerful. And the reason I bring that in is that they have this slogan where they say, change the world with a charitable gift in your will while still supporting those you love. And that really kind of gets at the crux of a lot of the barriers, I think, that we see in the charities. Unlike the generations that follow, the baby boomers are perhaps the most financially capable of sharing the wealth. If you just sort of think about things for a lot of people going through this process, a lot of people right now are looking at how much they're going to leave for their children and grandchildren. And because of the prosperity that many people have seen over recent decades, a lot of people are looking at potentially leaving a lot more to their children or grandchildren than they were ever left themselves. And so there's this increasing idea that you can 
treat your children well, you can treat your grandchildren well, you can leave a meaningful legacy for your family and still leave something for charity as well. And so that thing of it being either or is perhaps one of the main barriers that is out there that is easily overcome when one takes a more fulsome look at the situation. Shona, let me bring you in on this now. You're the legacy giving officer for the Peace Arch Foundation. And I guess it's very important, as as Dave points out, that everyone in and around the family knows the intentions. But I guess the donors should tell the charity, too, that the gift is on its way or they intend to give the gift. Is that an important part of it? Absolutely, Wayne. Um, You know, it's such an important part of the whole legacy giving process. As Dave mentioned, we really encourage our donors to discuss their legacy goals with their family and their advisors first. But we as a charity, we're always happy to participate in these discussions. We understand that a legacy gift can be a very personal and thoughtful one. And we're so honored and we truly appreciate our donors thinking of us for this ultimate gift. So a legacy gift is one of the most significant and lasting contributions an individual can make that will extend beyond their lifetime and help ensure that they, their loved ones, friends, and neighbors are all able to access quality health care close to home. As a supporter of Peace Arts Hospital Foundation, our donors' ideas and opinions are important to us. They have taken the time and through thoughtful planning made this significant gift with a vision in mind for the impact they want to make and how they want to be remembered. It's important that the donors communicate these wishes for their gift to the foundation to ensure their intentions are clearly communicated and we understand their passions and visions for the gift. Also, we want the opportunity to really celebrate these donors in their lifetime, to welcome them into our Weatherby Circle of Legacy Donors, where they will stay connected with all that's happening at the hospital and the priorities of the foundation. The Giving Circle is an opportunity to bring together like-minded individuals who have made the same remarkable act of generosity to complete the circle of care that goes on to benefit our community of White Rock and South Surrey for generations to come. There have been some outstanding uh, donations, too, over the years. But there is one that I heard, maybe you can fill us in on. A donor actually donated their home to the hospital foundation. Now, how does that work? Yes, absolutely. You know, with the legacy gift, there are so many incredible stories. But that specific one is just so incredible. This couple, they received care at our hospital over the years and have been lifelong supporters of the foundation. During their estate planning, they discussed what they wanted to do with their assets and decided they wanted to support the hospital in a big way and make an impact on their community. So they decided to gift their home to the foundation. Unfortunately, the husband passed away and in dealing with the home, it was a lot. The woman who gifted this house She had collected the assets that she wanted to take with her to her new home at the senior's residence, and then she gifted the house to the foundation. Now, that being said, the foundation took care of everything. We cleaned the house. We ensured all of the belongings were taken care of by uh, the Peace Arch Hospital Auxiliary. They actually took the items and sold them, which also benefits the hospital. So we were able to take care of all the cleanup and the sale process for the donor and allowed her to just move on to that next chapter of her life. She also received the tax receipt for the assessed value of the home. And this gift of her home amounted to so much more uh, than the residents. Dave, that brings in uh, another point here, the tax benefits. Maybe you could speak a little bit on that from a personal taxation point of view. Sure. I mean, the tax benefits in Canada are really substantial. We are definitely one of the countries that has the most 
generous incentives in our tax code for causing uh, people to gain a refund or personal benefit uh, for making uh, charitable donations. And there have been a number of changes over the years that have improved that in a number of ways. It brings in this issue of timing, and it brings in this issue of one nuance, which most people don't really think about, which is that in general terms, if you gift away more money than you earn in a given year, you don't actually get money back from the government beyond the taxes that you already owe. So think about it this way. If you have a minimal income and you give a million dollars to charity or a home worth a million dollars, you're not going to get a half million dollars back from the government necessarily, even though that's how much you would get back if your income was large enough to have a half million dollars of tax owing. Sometimes it can be confusing when dealing with matters of taxation. And like so many things in life, timing is everything. Here's Dave to explain. The importance of timing becomes really important when we look at giving during lifetime versus giving uh, when somebody passes. If this lady had left her home until her final year to give to a charity, the charitable donation receipt might not have actually meant much to her tax situation if she didn't have a lot of taxes owing at that particular time. But by having the gift made during lifetime, she's got five years now where she can utilize the tax receipt from that to offset the income from her pensions, to sell off some of her RIF uh, or RSP, wherever she is in life, in order to start to get through some of those untaxed liabilities and overall end up with a better tax position. Now, does this mean that over a span of five years, you can utilize part of that tax benefit? Exactly. So on passing, it's your final year plus the prior year that you can use a tax benefit for. And in your lifetime, it's the present year and five years into the future. We all know about RRSPs and RRIFs, but Dave explains how to get the best benefit from those funds when it comes to using them with respect to charitable giving. One of the things that a lot of people don't really think about is the fact that they're registered accounts, so RRSPs or uh, registered retirement income funds or RIFs, these are things which when people see a dollar in that account or a dollar in their bank account, they think of them as kind of equivalent, but the CRA doesn't see them as equivalent. The CRA sees the dollar in the RRSP or the RIF as one that needs to be taxed before you can use it for anything. And so a lot of people have these large amounts in these retirement accounts that may result in 50% taxation when they pass away. And so lining up your charitable gifts with the point in time where the tax bill is going to come due is really an essential part of making sure that you're enabling your resources and your assets to get the best benefit for, for charity and the best tax benefit for your generosity. And Shona, I, I understand that the foundation has come up with some very creative ways of donating. I understand like recreational property that perhaps, um, you know, the family just isn't using anymore, maybe vacant land that they hope they would develop at one time, but they didn't. So they decide, you know, we'll, we'll donate that to the foundation. You've come up with all kinds of fascinating ways of raising money. 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's so many incredible ways in which somebody can choose to leave a legacy gift from uh, life insurance. And as Dave was talking about the RSPs, but also gift of shares and property and the list is endless. And I think it's up to each individual to work with their advisor to find what is the best scenario for them to make the biggest impact that they want to make. I was reading that the um, publicly traded securities are even accepted. David, is there any kind of uh, taxation thing that we could look at that, uh, capital gains perhaps? Exactly. And that's something that in recent years has been a real trend that people are catching on to, I think. But I think it took a little while for the knowledge and familiarity and for charities to really grab onto this and, and make it a simple, easy process. So, you know, many investors own investments for a long period of time. And over the course of time, they know that they have to pay the income each year if it's interest or dividends, et cetera, that they receive. But the capital gains isn't actually taxed until the investment is sold. The rule that was changed was that if rather than selling a security and cutting a check and giving that to charity, you instead give the security itself to your charity and that security gets sold in the brokerage account of the charity, it completely changes the dynamic in terms of what you owe. So if you take an investment that uh, you've owned uh, for some time way in and uh, it's gained $10,000, and you decide that you want to gift that entire investment to a charity, option one, you simply sell it and you write a check. The charity receives the full amount. You get a donation receipt for the full amount, but you're also going to have to pay tax on the $10,000 of capital gain on that particular investment. On uh, uh, first look, that's probably entirely a fair arrangement. That's the way things were until 2006. And option two now is that you transfer that investment into the charity's name, they sell it, and your tax bill disappears. So in mm -hmm. both circumstances, the charity gets the same amount of money. In both circumstances, you get the same donation receipt for the full amount of your investment. But if the charity is the one doing the selling of your stock or ETF or mutual fund or whatever the investment happens to be, you get to completely sidestep the capital gains tax on it. Mm, I like that. I'm not a big fan of capital gains tax. <laughs> I, I like that egg. Yeah, that's a good. Now, Shona, uh, we've talked about all the financial benefits, but why is a legacy gift so important to the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation? Great question. You know, aside from all the incredible tax initiatives that come with making a legacy gift, there are many other reasons and benefits to leave a legacy gift. Your gift can create a lasting legacy for generations to come. It's an important part of your life story. Your gift can inspire others and it makes our work at the foundation possible. Just to highlight a few of the benefits, I would say your gift to Peace Arch Hospital Foundation will help uh, to enhance the care of the White Rock and South Surrey community, whether it's going to support expansion of the hospital campus or helps to fund the purchase of essential medical equipment or community health initiatives. It will truly help shape the exceptional care our community has come to depend on, uh, having an impact both on the patients and the medical staff at Peace Arch Hospital. Legacy Gifts makes it possible to leave a much larger gift sometimes than they would have 
impossible to do in their lifetime as well. You know, it helps them carry out their philanthropic goals. And it's important to remember that you don't have to be wealthy to leave a legacy gift. You can leave as much or as little as you want. And there's no gift that's too small that can make an impact. Our donors mean the world to us at the foundation. And we're truly honored and humbled by individuals that choose to make the ultimate gift. So Shona, you are in charge. If someone's listening to this and they say, this is interesting, I'm going to find out more about this, or maybe they say, yes, I want to be part of this. How do they get in touch with you and how do they get in touch with the foundation to take it to that next step? They can reach out to me at the foundation uh, via phone. I'm at 604-535-4520, or you can send me an email, Shona at pahfoundation.ca. Also, our website is a wealth of information and they can always use that as a resource to start doing some research. And I'm always happy and available to answer any questions or or just uh, be a part of those discussions and understand what inspires that donor. Great. Shona, thank you very much. And Dave Lee, they can get in touch with you if they need some planning, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I hope the you know, comments they uh, prompt listeners to reflect on how they're going to be able to do more for the charities that they uh, care about. At Joshua Wealth Management, we take a total wealth planning approach to things, and we reflect on all of the facets of people's lives that are important to them in putting things together. And so I can also be reached uh, 604-535-4743 or online www.dave-lee.ca. Dave and Shona, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate that. Thanks so much, Wayne. Happy to be here. Always innovating, always changing with the times. The story of the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation has many chapters. This podcast sheds light on the impacts of charitable giving both for the donor and the charity. We're thrilled to bring you this story. Innovation comes to life in so many ways at the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation. During the month of December, consider how you can help the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation take care of your family and friends in the community. The simple act of giving is truly transformational. Every dollar received is enhancing health care in the White Rock, South Surrey community. Whether it's supporting capital infrastructure, the purchase of essential medical equipment, or funding wellness programs, it all matters and it all makes a difference. Right now, the Foundation is sharing the heartwarming story of how one individual's circle of care made a huge impact at the Peace Arch Hospital. If you're interested in learning more, head over to pahfoundation.ca slash give. That's pahfoundation.ca slash give. You'll find additional information on the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation website. We hope you've enjoyed our six-episode podcast, The Power to Heal, and invite you to return to the website for updated information about the many different programs supported by the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation. Thanks for listening.